0: It's the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm, episode number 56. I am Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers, and welcome back to the podcast. I know you're going to really enjoy this week's show as we're talking Golden Gopher football with one of the newest additions to the coaching staff, and he's a name we're all quite familiar with. Four-year letter winner, Winston Delatabadir was an impact player for the Golden Gophers and upon his playing career being over, immediately got into coaching. He's risen fast, he's still very young, and was hired by P.J. Fleck this offseason to coach the Golden Gopher defensive line. Winston is my guest this week on the Go Gopher podcast episode number 56, and I can't wait for you to hear from one of our favorites. As always, our Go Gopher podcast is presented by alumni-owned Sunbell Business Advisors and True. True North Mergers and Acquisitions. If you're a business founder planning to exit your business, start by contacting Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North Mergers and Acquisitions. Sunbelt serves more businesses up to $5 million in revenue than anyone, and True North M&A serves companies with revenues up to $150 million. Get a confidential, no cost, no obligation business valuation started today. Make the most of your life's work. Visit sunbeltminnesota.com or tnma.com today, and they help Serve the community with servant leadership. The Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm is also partnered with Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union. Affinity Plus is fundamentally sound with preparation, focus, and follow-through, a local Minnesota credit union providing all your banking needs, including a top-ranked mobile app. And talk about community involvement, they've got it, including great work with Special Olympics Minnesota. In fact, some of those polar plunges are already underway. You can check that out at their webpage at affinityplus.org slash gogophers. The podcast is also sponsored by State Farm Agent Tony. Tony Hoagland at ChamplinInsurance.com. Tony is a big Golden Gopher fan. We are podcasting from the Aquarius Home Services studio for episode number 56. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast as well. It's free to click that subscribe button. You can listen for free at any time. And you can go back and listen to our previous podcast, including last week's show, which I strongly recommend. It's one of the best we've had so far. Last week, we had Gopher basketball player Parker Fox with us, and it's worth the listen. Trust me on that. This week, we're talking Golden Gopher football with former player and current assistant coach Winston Delatabadir. It's the Go Gopher podcast, episode 56. Our conversation is next.
1: I'm Clay Geary, walk-on turn scholarship wide receiver for gopher football. And I'm Ben Utek, U of M alumni, Super Bowl champion, and Tony Dungy Uncommon Award winner. We understand championship culture, which is why we're part of the True North family of companies. True North invests in only elite teams, like the champion team at Sunbelt Business Advisors. With more brokers, buyers, and offers, Sunbelt gets owners 15% more than the market average. Learn more about this True North company at sunbeltminnesota.com. Hi Gopher fans, switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on
0: lights, we switch TV channels, we switch on the TV. And with the new transfer portal, some
1: college students even switch colleges, which can seem crazy to us diehard fans. But what's not crazy is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, my agency can switch you over so we can start saving today. My team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood and show you it is, in fact, easy to switch and save. When you want the real deal, check us out at ChamplinInsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: It's episode number 56, the Go Gopher podcast with Mike Grimm. It's my pleasure to welcome the new defensive line coach for the University of Minnesota football team. Also has the title of newcomer coordinator, which we'll ask him about as well. Winston Delatabadir, former Gopher player. Uh, We've done this before, just, you know, pregame shows and coaches shows and different things, and um, it's cool now to uh, do this in a
1: different capacity. Welcome back to Minnesota. I'm so ecstatic to be back, Um, and as we were saying when we were walking, into the studio I was like let's do it again just like old times just (laughs) like old times I'm excited
0: yeah we'd several times a year have you on our pregame show or uh, on a a daily update or what have you and uh, you were always one of our great go to guys a a five year player here at Minnesota four years on the field um, 51 games played 36 starts bunch of tackles for losses and sacks and a lot of success and and, and it wasn't that long ago
1: (laughs) nope (laughs) does that feel kind of weird. It feels crazy. It's 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 almost surreal. Um, as we were walking back through the the complex and the facility today, and I was I was showing Shelby, my wife, everything that that's kind of up and is new it's a lot of stuff that looks the exact same (laughs) so even though it looks fresh and it it looks new I was like wow I I remember you know using that machine or doing this or doing that so um, it's it's exciting to be back at home it just feels so warm in my heart
0: yeah and certainly within the coaching staff itself there's been uh, you know some turnover I know even at your time here you played for several different defensive line coaches and were coached by them and those connections later served you well in terms of your quick career arch here as a coach. but um uh, that said, the, there's a general nucleus of coaches that that have still kind of <laughs> been around, so uh, it was probably uh, fun to to get back in it. and now, you're a peer of theirs as opposed to them being a coach of yours. Exactly. Is that a strange even with, with PJ Fleck, has that been a, a strange transition or has it's, it
1: been fine? It hasn't been such a strange transition only because Coach Fleck held me to such a high leadership standard leaving here in 2019. Um so I remember him gathering guys like me and Carter Coughlin and Antoine Winfield and Thomas Barber, who is actually coaching with me as yes, well now, right. so we can get into that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, just holding us to that certain standard. That we talk about in our program, we talk about bad teams, no one leads. Average teams, uh, coaches lead, and then elite teams, players lead, and. Before I knew it, I was leading as a coach at the next level, and I had realized all the tools he had kind of put in my tool bag, yeah. I was bringing back out again in the coaching world. Um, so it's not it's not a weird transition, uh, but I know he's going to hold me to that same standard except now even a little bit higher <laughs> now that I'm on the coaching side of things.
0: For sure, and so many now different duties as opposed to, and I say this because I know all the work you guys put in, so I don't mean it to be demeaning. But just a player, um, you're probably finding out now that being just a coach is just as much or more work, right?
1: It's it's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, I found that out my first year GAing at uh, UNC Charlotte. Um, I remember because Marcus West, uh, and he's with the Bills now. And I was I was I'm blessed to you know have had him as a mentor all these past few years. He brought me in, and I remember in training camp being a player, you get to take naps and, you know, you get a break. So I was looking around, and I asked him, I said, Hey, Coach West, um... When 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 do we get a break? When is our nap? And he was like, "Yeah, you're a coach now. It's yeah. no naps, <laughs> no naps, <laughs> it's no, no nap. naps." So I struggled. My body had to transition, uh, but but now I'm in the full swing of things uh, uh, with the coaching now. routine. I got it down,
0: man. We mentioned some of those connections, and you mentioned Coach West. He was here. Was it one season? He was here one season, and he was such a quick riser too, because he nice. went from here to a D coordinator at Charlotte, and now he's talked about like that. Like he could be an NFL head coach at some point without a doubt I mean he is really a smart wise guy remember he MC'd a deal uh, the the daily luncheons or the weekly luncheons for home games were on Friday I don't know Mm -hmm. if you ever got to go to one of those or not but we would bring in an assistant each week and um, because he was here only one year I didn't get to know him that well but when he came in he just blew me away with his presentation they did a little film study and he talked about how guys were getting sacks and Coughlin was having a big year that year right, with him right. and how they were doing different techniques. And, he, and I remember, I don't know why I remember, so, some. St- I can't remember what I had for breakfast today, but some of this stuff stands <laughs> out. But he blew me away and then he was talking about he was bitter because Coughlin uh, didn't get credit for a sack at Ohio State because it was a fumble. Right, it was a sack, fumble, and the ball then went across the line of scrimmage, yeah. and it was recovered by Ohio State, right. for like a two-yard gain. So he was uh, he was mad. That must have been 2018. Was that right? Yes, was that was 2018, 2018.
1: Yeah. and I, I actually remember that. Um, that same year. I remember I was mad about a sack, but it was like an intentional grounding type of yeah. deal. And I came to the sideline and he was like, why do you look like that? And I was like, because I really didn't get a sack. It was just <laughs> intentional grounding. He was like, we're going to take every sack we can get. So, <laughs> no doubt. Um, no doubt. you know, being able to learn under him and, and I'm, I'm ecstatic, and I called him right after I accepted the job and all that good stuff, and it was official. You know, being able to learn under him has been nothing but an utmost blessing, and that dude is going to be a head coach somewhere really, really yeah, soon. Yeah,
0: no, no doubt. I was totally blown away that day, you know, in just a limited time, maybe a 45-minute little session, and he was doing film breakdown and talking about technique and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, and and look, PJ has got a good little coaching tree going now for a guy who's relatively young himself. Um, you know, Marcus would fall into that, and then he's got um, – you know coordinators now around the Big Ten. Uh, he's got head coaches at where Buffalo and some other places, and now uh, you get to fall under that as a player and a coach. And for Minnesota, at least, you're the first. Uh, and, and here's the thing, too. I'm, I'm now I'm jabbering a little bit, but I'm excited <laughs> you're all to good. see him, I'm excited, too. Um, it, um, he, he has uh, oftentimes, just you just hear him talk, and he's brought up specific guys over the years that, like, yeah, he's going to be a coach. I think He's talked about that with Mo and with Tanner and right. some other guys. And I remember him talking about that with you, like, Oh yeah, uh, you know Winston's going to be a coach, and maybe be even back here someday. And I don't know if we knew it'd be your twenty four, a few years out, and here you are already exactly. back But PJ knew, like like he had he he saw how you played, he saw how you led, uh, he knew you needed to get a couple some something years under your belt, mm-hmm. and when the opportunity came, he he jumped.
1: He jumped. I, I I sat down so so PJ and I had lunch not too long ago, and um I was like how how did you know that I was going to be a coach? And he was like really really elite coaches always know the guys that they coach and kind of what trajectory they're headed on Um, he said he always had an inkling and I was like well I wanted to go play in the NFL (laughs) I was like so that's what I wanted to do Um, but I shared something with him and it was something that he never knew for my senior thesis uh, in order to get my master's degree you had to say basically what you wanted to go do after college with your degree and for fun I created a culture and I said I wanted to become a head college Football coach, mm-hmm. and I ended up presenting it to the board, and they loved it. And I was like, "Well, I'm never going to use this again, so let me just put this away." And I blink my eyes, and I'm like, "Wow!" Yeah. So everybody knew except me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we all everybody saw. Everybody knew.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, um, I, I think back, you know, to, to uh, when you were a player in terms of how you led on the field and then off the field as well. And we have so much to talk about. Uh, relating to that, but the one that stands out to me was was it school supplies? Yes, that you you spearheaded an effort because I don't know, did you see a news article or something about kids weren't getting the pens and papers and notepads? So
1: I'm I'm Jamaican originally. Yep. my my family, my dad came over from Jamaica the end of middle school, early high school. So. I would go out there like every single year before I got to the University of Minnesota and I would visit my family in Jamaica and like not the resort and stuff like that. Like we're going like up in the mountains of Jamaica. Um, So the same elementary school and middle school, you know, that my aunts, uncles, cousins all went to, um, we would walk around up there and I would be like, well, I don't see, you know, a lot of these kids with many school supplies. I see them with knapsacks occasionally. And then like the books didn't look like they were up to par and different things like that. And I remember coming back and being like, well, dad, what would you think if I did like a school supply drop?" And he was like, well, you'd have to do this, this, that. He was like, but if you can get it done, I'm behind you. I brought it over to Coach Fleck and I brought it over to uh, to Norris Wilson. And I was like, hey, I want to do this. And Coach Fleck was like, if you want to do it, let's do it. Yeah. And we got it done. And it was It was crazy to think how it went from being a dream to being put on paper to being done in a matter of a week. And then we planned it out and we finished it.
0: And so if I'm remembering right and correct me, certainly it was at at a practice and uh, you had invited fans. It was an open practice. Yes. Invited fans to bring school supplies, whether it's backpacks or notebooks or magic markers or crayons or whatever. And then it just it was a good supply?
1: It exploded. And then you were able to
0: send that all back to your home area. We sent
1: it all back to Clarendon, Jamaica, Rock District. So we sent it all back that way. And then actually we sent it to some local elementary and middle schools in the area as well. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we took care of home base. I think a lot of elementary schools and middle schools in St. Paul. And then we also sent some back to Jamaica. So, um, you know, I've, I've got a few ideas up my sleeve <laughs> coming yeah, up here we're soon. Ready to roll again. Ready to stuff, roll right? again because I know how important serving and giving is in our culture. Um, and just being able to add to that and elevate it, I think it's, it goes hand in hand.
0: I wanted to ask you, too, because you were um, one of the um, uh, many guys in that 2019 team, you know, were also w- w- many of them were recruited by the previous staff and then not everybody stayed cuz as you know PJ's talked about it, hey i'm not for everybody and you have to have the right mentality to play for him much like any coach um so some guys left some guys went about and he always said those who stay and you know i think it's a Shem Beckler somebody those who stay will be champions you guys were you know the Outback Bowl champions but um take me through that process of of you, you committed to another coach uh, and another coaching staff was was it Jay Savell was it your was, main guy
1: it was so Brian Anderson, Brian Anderson and Jeff Phelps recruited gotcha. me. I committed a kill. <laughs> yeah, played for him my red shirt year. Of course, everybody knows he he stepped down. Then played for Coach Clay's and then Coach Fleck, Fleck came, came along. Came yep. So I had three head coaches, five D line coaches, uh, four or five defensive coordinators all together. And yeah, so I didn't know I was going to become a coach, but now I have all these coaches in my phone (laughs) that I can reach out to. You know, pull the
0: best and the bad from all of them, right? Right, And then create your
1: own little philosophy. Create my own. And that's what I did that first, I think first few months into coaching. I was like, okay, I'm going to write letters to different coaches. I'm going to reach out and let them know I'm doing this. And 70% of them responded 30% didn't respond I think I wrote like I I took a shot And wrote Mike Tomlin And you know Just a whole bunch Of different guys But I wrote everybody That I came in contact with At the University of Minnesota Um, And that's actually How I ended up uh, Making that transition To Oregon Which we'll get to In a second With Rod Chance Uh, But I reached out to um, Jay Solvell And Tracy Clays And Jeff Phelps And I reached out To all those guys And said hey Like I'm here. You guys inspired me so much that I wanted to go and I wanted to coach like college football. This has become a dream of mine out of nowhere. Um, But I think the biggest thing was Coach Fleck mentoring me into a leadership role on the team and then kind of making me understand that you can lead by example and lead vocally, but... Everything that you do has to be held to a certain standard, and that's what I've carried from school to school to school, and I feel like I've been pretty successful because I'm back here now. Yeah, right. And
0: and that transition to the decision to stay because you probably, you know, at that point are like, oh, that's a new coach. What do I want to do another new coach? Um, How long did it take before you – Decided, this is my cup of tea. And and then, obviously, you prospered and excelled to the point where you're back here. But was it was it quick, like, hey, I like this guy? Because always, when it's new, sometimes you're out of your comfort zone. What was—take me back to that when that transition happened.
1: I remember um, talking to a lot of the guys, being like, you know, just the whispers of it. Like, hey, what are you going to do? I yeah. don't know. What are you going to do? Sure. Um, But then I, I kind of got over the hype of all that stuff. And I was like, well, if this is— If this is going to be the hardest thing, like, I want the hardest thing. Um, So I remember listening to Coach Fleck and the things that he said he wanted to be able to achieve, and I remember all the other guys, like, who left saying, like, maybe this isn't for me or, uh, you know, this isn't the guy who recruited me. And to be honest, I think my mentality was, was more, I'm going to give him a chance because I honestly don't have anything to lose by it. I was young. I think I was 230 pounds soaking wet. Uh, (laughs) I had already played and started in a couple of games and, you know, played in that Penn State game where Saquon Barkley beat us in overtime. And uh, I had my first sack fumble against Iowa the year before that. And all of a sudden we get this guy with a whole bunch of charisma and, like, energy that never stops. And I'm like – well, I'm going to give this guy a shot. And yeah, it was hard. It was a tough transition. Um, But when I realized how everything in the culture and in the program could apply to my life, I was like, this is the person that I need to be here and play for. Um, So at that point, it went from being a hard decision to the best decision that I had made. It was just tough trials and tribulations that came all the way up until we did stay and we were champions.
0: You think about that group you know, that 2019 group. And some of them stayed beyond 2019, like Tanner, of course, he was, he was uh, amongst the new people that came in and he knew what he was, you know, he, he he knew that, that, you know, that PJ was already in place and PJ was recruiting him. But you think about Tyler and Coughlin and Mm. Antoine and, um, you know, all those guys. And there was other turmoil we know at that point too, for all those guys and Thomas. And, you know, I'm going to miss a few, but um, you know, those guys stuck it out and man, they, I mean, you guys were all key, key cogs to that great 2019 season
1: yeah th- those guys are so special and it, it's crazy because every every offseason and we're going off of like 20 million schedules so <laughs> last year it was Thomas being here and then it was all the NFL guys and the, you know and then Blake Cashman comes out of nowhere and you know all those different things uh, but we still get together in the offseason yep. uh, we still hang out whether it be three or four days and we reconnect and and really deep conversations happen really fast because when you're with guys who you've created such a bond with and you don't get to see them all the time anymore, yeah. it's it becomes like a deep dive into their soul for, for what's sure. going on in life. For sure. Um, but, you know, when we made that decision that we were going to stay, we didn't make the decision that we were going to stay and just survive it. We wanted to thrive and we wanted to win a championship. And what Coach Fleck always said was we were going to take this thing step by step, game by game, week by week, but sooner or later our process is going to end up with the result being a Big Ten West championship, a Big Ten championship, and a national championship. And, we didn't get to the national championship part. We didn't get to the Big Ten championship part, but we ended up being Big Ten West co-champs. Yep. And um, that's more than a lot of people that came before us could say. So now it kind of feels like, and I was telling my family this because of course my mom was ecstatic. I was like, I, I think I'm coming back to finish the job. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm excited for.
0: For sure. And and obviously that year was that great outback win against um, against Auburn down in mm-hmm. Tampa. And um, you know what a way to, to go out. So I, I made a list just off the top of my... My head of guys, um, because you're in a unique spot. You're 24,
1: just turned 25.
0: Oh, you just had a birthday. Okay, so you're 25 (laughs) now. Even so, relatively young. I'm (laughs) thinking to myself, like Tanner's going to be probably 25 here not too long. He will be right, and so you might be coaching. I'm thinking, uh, first of all, you will be coaching at least a couple former teammates, right? Uh, Like Trill Carter, I think, is a D lineman. Logan Richter, Logan Richter. So guys that you were shared the blood with in terms of that locker room. Now you're going to be, you know, progressing, and then other guys on the other side of the ball, like. Nathan Bowe was here, mm-hmm. right? Brady Weeks was here, yep. the long snapper.
1: JJ Gaudet, Chris Almond-Bell. Brevin,
0: <laughs> Brevin, <laughs> um, Bryce Williams, yes. right? Yep. So, and there's probably more. I just made a little list here. So, how is that, right? Like Crab is Crab's like a hundred years old, He's right? A hundred
1: thousand years old,
0: <laughs> and now you won't directly be coaching him, but you're on the staff now that will be overseeing him. And right. I, I wonder how that will be now.
1: It's it was always such a high level of respect, um, and I think that's what what was such a great thing that we had with the leadership when those guys came in because Moe and Crabb and Tanner all came in in that 2017 season. Yeah. And Coach Fleck would always talk about leadership leading. Like, where's the leadership? Who's going to be the guy? And, of course, with me and Carter kind of like cream rising to the top and yeah. becoming the next guys to be on that D-line and kind of command it, um, there was always such a high level of respect. So uh, – I called when I got the job, and it was official, and I asked Coach Fleck, hey, can I call some guys? What do you want me to do? And he was like, sure, you know, call the guys and let them know. Um, I called Trill first. I yeah. called Logan second. Um, <laughs> and then after that, before going to the rest of the D-linemen, I called Crab and I called Brevin. <laughs> and uh, Crabb was like, this is not a funny joke. I don't know why you're joking. This is not funny. Like, stop it. And I was like, it's not a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the moving truck together. I'm leaving Akron. Um, so when they found out, they were ecstatic. But now I can really see everything from another perspective and another side and help do the same thing that Coach Fleck did with me, with them, mentor them into being able to finish this thing the right way from a high leadership perspective. Um, Tyler Newbin, man, that dude is a dude. And I'm excited. He's going to be an NFL player. Without a doubt. And and, and he was such a young guy when I was here. So watching him and seeing him lead, it excites me so much. And then there's so much potential for him to get back. Better. So now my job, even though I'm not coaching DBs, I'm not coaching wide receivers, I'm not coaching tight ends, is to elevate the leadership. And the thing that I love is the coaches that will be coaching those guys know who I am and can trust me to continue to elevate and cultivate right. leadership from their guys, even though I'm not in that position group. Um, so... I'm excited. And of course, I call those guys. I call those guys old guys every time I walk past them. I'm like, what's up, old man? To Crab yeah. and to Brevin and all that stuff. And um, Brevin's talking smack to me already about spring ball. So I was like, listen, Brev, if, if I had a helmet and shoulder pads, we could turn off these lights and <laughs> we you can guys, go you at it. Went, uh,
0: you guys know, went opposite sides there for a oh, year yeah. or two, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Because you, you were young, right? Weren't you a young? Class of twenty fifteen yes, guy. Yes, I was. I so was. like, if you, if since you were young and then others were old, I mean, Brevin can't be that much younger than you. Yeah, right?
1: I don't even want to think about how old Brevin is <laughs> to see <laughs> the age gap. But um, he looks at me like I'm a really old man. So yeah, I'll just keep the, the the let there. the perception be reality. I don't think you'll
0: be young. I don't think there'll be a player older than you.
1: No. Right? No, I don't um, think so. I'm trying
0: to re- recall, like maybe Clay Geary, if he had an eighth year, might oh be goodness. right in there, right? Because yeah. Clay had a seven-year career. Clay had a seven-year year got career. Got a touchdown <laughs> last year against Colorado. He's been on the podcast. He's awesome. He's going. He's uh, now I think he's underway full time with um, Sunbelt Business Advisors oh, wow. with a good with a and they sponsor the podcast. So it's always good to, to make that connection and that that shout out. But anyway, yeah, Clay has got to be close to was he a 2015 or 16? He class? was
1: 2016 because he because he came in with and all those guys so that was like that little wave so I was always like this in-between guy (laughs) it was weird because I was a 2015 guy but I graduated and left with like Kamal and Thomas and all those guys and I remember when Thomas came on campus and he was just this little freshman and he had like this even all-around like afro thing (laughs) and I was like I don't know what the heck this guy is doing and now like I was in Thomas's wedding, and Thomas is going to be in my wedding, and that's, you know yeah. this thing just blossoms and grows. It
0: is, it's fun, and and it's t- to see all you guys grow together, and because um, you, were you you were seventeen, right, when you enrolled? I was here? seventeen. I was thinking that was the yep. case, and I remember that's why I was thinking maybe Savell recruited because I remember on recruiting day, Savell's like we he's seventeen, so he's got so much space to grow, and we love the potential. And because you were not say a five star recruit, right? No, and, I think and I was so, a two star. Yeah, and, and then you
1: just grow into it. I grew into it. I, I was, so I was very under-recruited. Yeah. I had Idaho, um, and then <laughs> the next offer I got was Minnesota. <laughs> so I had a lot of 1AA offers, and Buffalo came in late. Syracuse came in late. Um, University of Maryland offered me a PWO, which always yeah. put a little chip on my yeah. shoulder. You had good games um, against them. <laughs> I had really good games against those guys. <laughs> you wonder why, right? Yeah, no, yeah. but um, uh, so that was always something that motivated me, because I was I was in a room with five stars and in a room with four stars and um you know not that I had any animosity towards them but I always wanted to show guys through work ethic, physicality, knowing the playbook that I could outplay anybody we lined up against. Um I remember playing against like the Ohio States and um you know Chase Young and Dwayne yeah. Haskins God rest his soul and you know, having guys get around me right before uh, we had the kickoff and Ohio State has this thing up on their jumbotron and it's like this is Ohio State yeah. NFL this, this and that and I was like, hey man, listen, I don't care about anything going on yeah. on that jumbotron we're going to go up there and we're just going to fight, you know, yeah. Necton mentality and that's what we did. I think we ended up losing late in the game or something like that. That but was
0: Moe's breakout game That was too. Mo's breakout yeah. game,
1: yep and then that next year that kind of set the stage for us to go and, and just kind of like Backyard brawl some guys yeah, and, and not, get and after not be it,
0: intimidated by it, not, you know, not be like, Oh, we this isn't our spot, right? Well, sure,
1: it is, it right. can be,
0: right? And then you beat Penn State and Wisconsin later that year. No, that was that was 17, right? So I'm trying to now I get my years mixed up. Uh, then you beat Wisconsin in beat, 18, they beat Wisconsin yeah. in 18. Yeah. Was
1: that the same year as, as the at Ohio State? That yeah, was remember? the same year at so, Ohio yeah, State, yeah. Yep. so,
0: so you, you don't get intimidated, and then all of a sudden you. You get into the point, and then you guys close strong. Like I remember that year. Uh, I mean, that was a. I, I believe that Purdue game was maybe the turning point of the whole deal, right? Because it's coming off that horrific Illinois game, yeah,
1: yeah, um, which I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah,
0: just just not great. And and then you come and beat a Purdue team like forty one to ten or something, right? And um, you needed a win at what was it? You needed three wins or something, two wins to get to bowl eligibility, hundred percent. Crack Georgia Tech big time, yep. and then that totally led into the and, next year and we
1: flew into the next year and and if everybody remembers those first three games of, of that next year were a little bit nailed there were some nail yeah. biters yeah. um they were they were very very scary games but they were all against teams who went on to do extremely well in their own conferences. Um, so after those three games, uh, I remember Coach Fleck bringing us in for a team meeting and just letting us know, like, OK, these things are in the past and we've got to knuckle up and get ready to go ahead because this schedule is not something that should be taken lightly in any, right. in any case of the matter. Um, so that season ended up being spectacular. Um, and then we went and we played Auburn and, and you're talking about not being intimidated. Um, this is something and I don't even know if anybody knows. I remember being in the locker room and in in the vents of the stadium, you could hear what the other locker room was kind of really? saying. Very faintly. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know who called me over. It might have been Jacob Herbers, but I think he called me over and was like, hey, t- don't say anything, just listen. And like somebody on Auburn's team was like... Um, I don't even know where Minnesota is and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, well, well they're going to know who in Minnesota gonna put is us today. On the map here, We're yeah. going to put us on the map. And we went out there and nobody blinked. Yeah. It was just our culture on full display. Uh, and we don't get caught up in the, the the talking or the hype of anything or, or, you know, everything that you would get caught up in. We, we kind of just stayed laser focused. Um, and that was just a testament to that unit, that group. Nobody was looked at differently. Younger guy, older guy, you know, big guy, little guy we were all expected to play at the same level and uh, we did so I was a I was a two star on display going against a five star offensive tackle yeah. and man I was trying to give him <laughs> I was trying to give him a horrific experience in Tampa Bay. <laughs> it was
0: such a fun day too because it, it um, you guys got tested early right? I mean yes. uh, they get the pick right away mm-hmm. and then you held them to a field goal right yep. if memory serves and so all of a sudden it's like okay well here you go you got your footing. and they fumble a punt mm-hmm. and Thomas I think Thomas Barber recovered that fumble sure did. if memory serves and then um, from that point on, I thought the Gophers controlled. Probably, you know, that my, maybe my favorite drive in my time here um, watching Gopher football was the drive that didn't result in points, but mm-hmm. it salted the game away offensively. I think the Gophers got it. We got it at like uh, 750 or so left in the fourth quarter. Right. And never gave the ball back. Never had that great, uh, the great fourth down conversion, and um, Mo had a couple of grinded out runs. I think it was a third and mm-hmm. nine or third and ten that he gained eleven on. That kid's and so tough, man. typical Mo run. I mean, he had those <laughs> so many times throughout his career. Um, and and you know, it was just a, just one of those great games. So it was a seven point win, but felt like it could have been fourteen or more. You guys were in control of that game, and right. had to be a great way for you guys to to walk away as players, right?
1: Man, I cried like a baby. <laughs> and I'm not afraid to say it because sure. when you pour so much into something um, and you see so much change and, and everybody is waiting to see what happens next, it's so good great to give Gopher fans you know what they've wanted and I feel like that season uh, we put them in a predicament everybody in Gopher Nation in a predicament where they could really smile upon you know just the roll the boat culture and what we said we were going to get done got done Um, so it's uh, it was it was it was surreal, um, and I remember because Coach Coach Nichols, one of my all-time favorite he's coaches, beauty, he? <laughs> he's, a, he's the guy. Uh, put thirty pounds on me. I think when they first got here, I was two thirty, and when I left, I was two like fifty eight. Um, and he was so patient with me throughout that whole process, patient and demanding. But I just hugged him and cried and was just like, "Thank you, thank you so yeah. much." It was the best way to go out as a senior. Um, so. I I told all the guys in the room, the D-line room, like, you should want to be better than that. Like, that's the standard of excellence. That's the standard of the program. And that should elevate. 11 games isn't good enough anymore. That's why I let them know. So I'm like if you think that winning 11 games is cool like think again because 12 games is the that's the mark that's where you want to be that's the
0: next step up for sure I remember the late in the game one of my favorite things too was when because there was a good gopher crowd everyone's excited to go to a warm place they were there supporting and then um you know, uh, the crowd was kind of chant- doing the row of the boat motion yep. and going row, row, row. And I'm just and I remember thinking even to myself at the time. I might even expressed it. I might have even expressed it on the on the broadcast about look. Let's face it. Sometimes that row of the boat stuff outsiders mock it a little bit. We saw the Penn State quarterback do that and others and whatever and. When you get mocked like that, and then your own fans now are there uh, implementing it within the game. The game is put away. Um, what PJ had promised had been delivered there, kind yep. of. So that 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 moment has still kind of stuck out to me uh, when the game was put away.
1: I'll never forget that. Yeah, I won't because I remember, uh, you know, what the Penn State quarterback had said about you know our culture and all that stuff. We go out, we beat them, and it was it was so it was a full circle moment at that point. Because in 2017, things were being said that they would get done. And then in 2019, they did. Yeah. And, and, and it was so much work that was put in in between. But that's what roll the Boat is. It's a n- never give up mantra. That's yeah. the culture. You're never going to give up. You're always going to respond to adversity. And you're going to climb to be able to respond above it. And and not just be as good as you were before, but be better. Um, so when when that got done, and I remember hearing it and just looking around and being like, this is what we sacrificed everything for. For sure. This is what we sacrificed for. And it got done.
0: And one of the things P.J. said even on his opening news conference is that there will be people who maybe don't even like football that will now start – following the program because of other things, not just because you won over Auburn, but other things. And you mentioned, we mentioned and talked about the school supply drive, but so much other stuff. I mean, you go visit as players, uh, you did this as all of your teammates did. And now as a a coach, you'll probably be part of it as well. Uh, And you go across campus to that hospital and you see young kids that are going through just horrific things and families having to deal with it. And if there's a moment or two where you can take those little medallions that you do, and might not even be golf fans. I know some of these uh, young kids that have become huge Gopher fans and the team's kind of adopted um, are from Wisconsin or other places Mm -hmm. that didn't even care about Gophers. And now uh, their whole life kind of revolves around it on occasion. So that part of what PJ has talked about has really come uh, to fruition as well.
1: It's been real. And And the thing that I love about Coach Fleck is you can serve and give in any way that makes you happy. Like, for example, I'll give you um, Micah Do Treadway. Mm-hmm. Micah Do Treadway loved to go. To the field days at the schools. So now you've got a 6'3", 300-pound yes. guy playing kickball with fourth graders, but it makes their day because they want to grow up and be just like that guy. Yeah. Um, I was a jack-of-all-trades when it came to serving and giving. I would go to the hospital. I would go to the schools. I would go to the shelters, different things like that. But s- whether you like going to certain places or not, it's always something for you to do in a way that you can give back and show love to people who might not know what love looks like. Um, So it's been so many teachers who have reached out to me in the past few years and have been like, I don't even like football. I don't know much about football, but good job on the win. Yes. Like, go Gophers, roll the boat, skyline. I'm like, that's awesome that's what because it's about. that's what it's about. Now we're tying the whole community into this vision of what we want this program to look like. And, um, you know, ha- and I can I could call him right now and tell him this, but I just feel like I've got to give hats off to Coach Fleck because He showed me as a young man and now as a coach how to implement something that matters to you and then how to execute it and bring it through. So not only to say words, but to actually fulfill the words that you say. Yeah, and Trill, uh,
0: Trill goes and reads to elementary schools. I yep. don't know if you knew that. Uh, and, and uh, it, you know, obviously the COVID situation uh, put a, a stop to some of it. But um, I remember doing an interview with him and he's talked about his favorite part is when, and now he's kind of got a classroom that he's adopted. So he goes right. to the same one. And I think that still is going, this has been a while now since we talked about it, but he said he loved going in because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're six two. 305 pounds, he's like a giant (laughs) to these little, you know, second or third graders, and they look up with their eyes wide. Right. And he said his favorite thing was he would, um, eventually, they got comfortable enough that he would sit down on the floor, you know, cross-legged. And then all these kids would just kind of cuddle up around him, and he'd read books. He's a big teddy bear, just a big teddy bear. Trill is a cool big though. yeah. Loved,
1: loved hearing the story. That's he's a he, and that's what I love about him is like you see this big dude who like is like throwing offensive linemen around like rag dolls and catching interceptions yeah. and all this stuff, and then he cuddles up around like little kids on a beanbag chair, <laughs> yes. and I love that about Trill because he's got that heart, and I've I noticed that. Within him when he was a freshman. Uh, So, just when I would watch, you know, all the things that he would do, whether it was in the community or different things like that, I'm like, here goes the big teddy bear again. (laughs) But I love it because that is changing the perception of how people view, right? Football players just in this state, in this community, and they're seeing that we are, well, me being an ex football player, but these guys are holistic human beings right. and we have like we get happy and we get sad and we love to give people love and we love to receive love so now they're able to see okay now that guy gets a sack i'm not just excited because he gets a sack and it's a you know a tfl and now it's third and 18 yeah. i'm excited because he came and he read to my kids two know weeks him. ago <laughs> and i know him and yeah. i know him right yeah. so it's i was in a classroom and um you know, I'm in there arguing with a third grade girl over like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and all that stuff. And, and, awesome. and it, it's just like little things like that. And and you go back and you get to talk to them again. And it just, it just makes your heart warm because they get to see, OK, these giant human beings, you know, are, are, are people just like me. Yeah. I'm just a little person. He's a big person. Yeah. So that's all it is. <laughs> that's
0: great. Uh, let me uh, real quick. Uh, we got to talk about one of our great sponsors of the podcast. Affinity Plus is your local credit union proudly serving Minnesota since 1930. If you're a current Gopher student or proud Gopher alum, you are eligible to join this financial that wants to build a meaningful banking relationship and put you first. You can meet with a local employee at any of their branches statewide, and they have one right here near campus as well on University in Minneapolis. To learn more or find other ways to connect, here's the webpage we want you to go to, affinityplus.org slash gogophers. That's affinityplus.org slash gogophers. Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, and we, we talk about serving and giving affinity. Plus certainly does that. They um, are huge, well, one, supporters of Gopher Athletics, but two of the Special Olympics Minnesota. And um, their uh, big thing is uh, the, the polar plunge. And they've done some mini polar plunges here in recent weeks to to lead us up to the big one coming up. So go to that webpage, find out about it, help with Special Olympics, um, you know, open an account at Affinity Plus.
1: They're great folks. And have you ever done a polar plunge? I was just about to say, I think it might be time for me to do a polar That'd plunge. Be
0: great. You should do that. I have not. My fear is if I jump in, I might just keel over, it'd be over for me you know, <laughs> the shock on the body might be enough for a guy my age, it'd be all over but no, well, I, yeah, maybe we, we should try that. We should I think that's it.
1: something that we should do, I mean we get in the cold tub so yeah. hopefully it's not you guys too guys much to plungers after every we practice. polar <laughs> plunging after every
0: practice. <laughs> well let's talk coaching because now you, you know, we've talked this has been a wonderful conversation about your playing days and how you got here and all this stuff and the different coaches you played for um, we mentioned your connection with Marcus West and that got you, once you've finished at Minnesota. You took your swing right for the NFL. Yes. And then on to
1: coaching. Then it was on to coaching. I, I, it was a brief moment where I thought I was going to go to British Columbia and go to the CFL. And then, you know, they were like, yeah, Canada's closed (laughs) because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so no NFL, no CFL. Um, and then coach West gave me a call and he gave me a call and he was like, Hey man, what you doing? I was like, working out just waiting for my call he was like okay cool nice i've got a ga spot open he was like and you've got a couple of days to make a decision you, you know if you want to come down with me i'm like yeah but you know and i love coach west so yeah. i'm just like his guy i'm talking, talking to him. i'm like yeah. i'm like yeah but you know when when do i have to make a decision he was like um five days and then he was like all right talk to you soon <laughs> and he hung up yeah So I'm praying about it. I'm talking to my mom. I'm talking to Shelby, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I'm like, "Do I want to coach? Is this what I want to do? I don't." And my dad, he was like, "All I know is nobody's called you yet. You don't have anything to lose by going to do it, and you already know like pretty much the scheme and how Coach West operates. Like you might as well take a shot." So I don't know. I I was like indecisive and hesitant, but I trusted Coach West more than anything. Um, So I got in the car, drove from Baltimore, Maryland to Charlotte. It's about five hours, like straight down 95. Um, And I was just ready for work. I didn't know what to do, what to expect, uh, but I knew... How to conduct all the same drills Coach West was doing So as soon as I got a chance To get cleared by that school I would go out on the field I didn't know how to work A copy machine Didn't know how to work The printer Couldn't do anything On the computer But everybody would look at me Because I could run drills Like it was the back of my hand Um, So Coach West would send me With the D-tackles some days Or send me with the DNs Other days And people would be like You don't want to watch him Do what he's doing He was like Nope I'll see it on film He knows what he's doing Um, So that wasn't the hard part for me The hard part was learning How to work a copy and fax machine. Sure. Because as as football players, I didn't have an internship where I had to work office equipment. Yeah. I did everything (laughs) where I was teaching like elementary school kids. So... Um, I'm going in there and I'm like kicking the copy machine and coaching. Yeah, and yeah, Coach they, Healy's like coming around the corner like, who's kicking the copy machine? And now I'm like hiding behind the yeah, copy machine. <laughs> so um, that was an experience in itself. And, and I learned so much from being down there with them. Um, then I get a call from Rod Chance out there at Oregon and he's like, again, hey man, what you doing? All these guys are trying to figure out what yeah. I'm doing. And, and I'm he, like,
0: was, he was an assistant for the Gophers yes. for a year also.
1: Yep, he was, yeah. 2019. And another
0: one of the pj coaching trees these guys have come in they've gone on and i you know there's something to be said about um they get their chance and then they take another uh, jump oh, yeah. up the food chain, so right, to speak. Right, yeah. right.
1: And then another guy I'm going to mention him on here who, um, you know, he finished and he graduated from here, but then he transferred to Morgan State to finish Malcolm Robinson. Yeah. It's coming up soon. I don't want to blow his bubble too fast, but he actually got a, a D1 GA job at an FBS program. Okay. Yeah, yep. Great. So that'll be coming out here soon. So just a lot of guys, you know, from Coach Flex Coaching Tree who great. played for him or coached with him. So, um, so
0: Coach Chance calls you and Yes.
1: What? Coach Chance calls me and he's like, hey man, there's a D-line GA job opening up at Oregon. You want it? And I was like, Oregon? Like, yeah, Oregon. But then, you know, Minnesota is the furthest west I've ever been in my life. So I'm like, what's in Oregon? Yeah. Um. But you can't say no to the O, right? right? So I went ahead and I get on the plane. I go out there interview, and I get it. Um, so I go out there, and I ended up getting a chance to work with Kayvon Thibodeau, and Brandon oh. Dorless and Popo Amavai. Fan, and
0: Vikings fans are now getting a little flashback to that playoff game. Yeah, they're not, I know they're not too excited. Had an, uh, uh, Thibodeau had an impact in that one for sure, but you're, you're working with all these great athletes. <laughs> did. I'm
1: great. working with these guys, and you know, the Noah Souls of the world, and all these guys, and um, it was just an elite experience from that perspective, going out there and kind of seeing what that whole brand and that culture was like. Because now I've got another Power 5 program to kind of compare to my home at Minnesota. Um, So going out there and I I took different things from Mario Cristobal, Cristobal and Joe Salavea and Jimmy Brumball and those guys that I was around uh, and I kind of put it in my pocket, you know, and you never know who's watching you because I would run the the twos with the D-line when it came time to do kind of our – our team stuff, so our scrimmage stuff. And uh, Joe Moorhead was always standing next to me. And he would ask me, hey, why did this guy do this? Why did this guy do that? So I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is single high safety defense. So we're blah, 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 blah. And I'm just talking to him sure. thinking he already knows the answers to the questions I'm asking. I don't know why he's asking them. Um, and then six months later, he's offering me a job to go to the University of Akron where he becomes the head coach. Yeah. Um, Go out there, and it's an experience where you're building a team that was 131st in the nation up from the ground up. Um, So I'm I'm calling Coach Fleck, and I'm calling Coach Rossi, and I'm asking them a million questions because they've done it and I'm like what do I need to do how do I need to get this done what do I need to implement Um, and under the frame of coach Moorhead's culture I kind of created a little culture in my room um, and I called it the dojo so it was just a (laughs) you know a karate type of martial arts mentality um, where and coach Rossi had said a quote to me a really long time ago and he said cry cry in the dojo laugh on the battlefield and that always stayed with me uh, until I kind of created my own thing out of it and now that that's the culture of the D-line room. That persistence, that perfection, uh, and again, that never give up mentality that directly correlates with row the boat was in that room at Akron, um, and we did not win a lot of games in the in the record books, you know, um, but. We lost seven games last year by seven points or less, which was a close, like a very, very close margin uh, compared to what it was the year before. And then holding... And that's
0: what Jerry Kill used to say, because he's been rebuilding everywhere. He said, you you, you first take a job, you lose by a bunch, and then you... The next step is to lose by not much. Right. And then you start winning a few. And then the next Thinking thing you win know, a lot. then you get that key confidence-inducing win, and all right. of a sudden you win. So that's where Akron is at this point. They've gone from losing by a lot to losing by a, little. by a little, and hopefully the next step is made. But you were part of that yes. then last year. Yeah. Yes.
1: So we I remember um and Coach Fleck taught us this. One season, I think it was 2018, uh, that's when we had to win out to get to a bowl game. Yeah. He was like, we're going to draw a line in the sand. So everything that happened hey, in I your past— I think you literally brought sand to practice. He literally brought sand to practice, <laughs> and we drew a line in it. And he was like, everybody get on this side of the sand yeah. now. So we got on the other side of the sand. Um, so I took a card out of his book, um, and I, I went into the to the meeting room, and this was before we played Northern Illinois. And I said, hey, we're going to draw a line in the sand. Okay. I said, so whoever's not going to be in for this next two week sprint, I need you to get out of the room right now. You can go and do something else, but you can't be a part of what's about to take place because this is about to change the Akron football program forever. Uh, We ended up beating Northern Illinois 44 to seven. And then after that, we lost to Buffalo and it broke my heart by one point, but we held them to 26 yards rushing and they were three for 19 on third down Uh with three sacks. And then I think we had two turnover or two takeaways that game. So there was a line in the sand drawn. Yeah. Um, and those guys have, you know, when I was leaving Akron, reached out to me and just said, thank you so much for helping us elevate and grow our mentality um, and of course they were happy for me being able to come back to my, my home your place, right, right, in yeah, my yeah. alma mater so
0: that, that should be a fun league too because as we mentioned Mo Lindquist is, that Buffalo, is the Buffalo yes. coach a former were you here yeah of course I was here, here with he Coach Mo here. and then we've got Kenny Burns our guy <laughs> Kenny Burns is now at Kent State he's at Kent and then you've got your connections at uh, at Akron it's so. going to be
1: fun Yeah, I'm going to be. be watching a lot of action this action, year <laughs> no doubt
0: and the beauty is that might be a Tuesday night you never exactly. know right or exactly. a Wednesday or what so have you so I'm going to be
1: excited Man, wishing, wishing, uh, Coach Burns and then Coach Mo the best of luck this year. Those guys are studs.
0: So let me ask you this too, just from a philosophy. There's, there's a culture part of it, and obviously you know that. I mean, you, you, you've lived it, you've played it. Now you're going to coach it. What about technique? And you mentioned drills and running drills. So what have you learned over the years? And I'm not saying that all of a sudden the Gophers are going to make a jump and this D line is going to get a million sacks. That would be nice next year. But (laughs) what what kind of things X's and O's wise, or that that isn't even the right term, but technique wise, can you bring maybe to help with uh, with this group of guys up front? Some some experience, some newcomers. You know, a good mix. It seems.
1: Um, So I think the past few years, it's been a steady progression of growth for me. Just when Comes to technique. Um, so at, at Charlotte, we had a guy, Marquise Watts, uh, who had nine and a half sacks and was an all conference guy. And watching him being able to operate, watching Coach West coach him, I put things in my tool belt. Then you go to Oregon, you're working with Kayvon Thibodeau and Brandon Dorless and those guys, <laughs> and they are getting home to the quarterback. Put things in your tool belt. Then after that, you go to Akron, I go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm able to get around Josh Allen and like these dudes who are just like the highest level of dudes, Arden Key, and I put things in my tool belt. So I think that from a pass rush mentality, these guys are totally going to change who they are and how they know getting to the quarterback is, is, is not a luxury, but it's a necessity. Um, and then, you know, I think the thing that I love about Coach Rossi is there's a toughness that Coach Rossi has. And Coach Fleck would always teach us that the uh, a unit right, will mirror the personality of the person who runs it. And Coach Rossi makes sure we have a stingy, nasty, salty, tough run defense. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to to mentor and shape and shift those kind of things. But with the pass rush mentality and technique things kind of like, you know, being implemented, um, I'm just going to make sure those guys go. And I think that that's a really, you know, blank and bland statement. but when when you guys come to open spring practices, <laughs> you'll we'll see, see what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> and then you mentioned like the copy machine and all that stuff, but it's more too than just putting a couple of cones out for a few hours on a practice field now as a coach, you're watching film. Yep. I'm assuming you'll have input on game plans with Coach Rossi mm-hmm. and the rest. So how much of that part uh, have you learned, too, over the last handful of years in terms of what you'll uh, do on a week-to-week basis that way?
1: I, I was I was so blessed this past year to have worked with Tim Tibisar, who actually, and we would get into it because he coached T.J. Watt at Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> he was our D.C. at Akron. And he's sitting in a room, and it's me, and it's Trey Bell and Neil Ren, a whole bunch of young guys who are like, I think we were – Uh, Two out of the three of us were like 35 under 35 on this And like 30 under 30 on that And he sat in and he was like You guys are young guys But I'm going to teach you how to do this the right way So I had all inputs on all the stunts And the sim pressures and the blitzes That we wanted to run to certain protections And it was even at one point where I sat there And I created something totally new Now, it didn't work, right? It didn't work However, that showed me the process of what it takes In order to be able to kind of get things going defensively and defensive game plan wise. I'll say this, Coach Rossi has already prefaced the fact that he wants me to do extensive, right, film study and research on these different teams because he's going to ask for my input. And that does nothing but excites me because he was my D-line coach one year. He was my DC, so I know exactly what he's looking for out of the things that he needs up front. Um, So being able to be ready and kind of primed out for that, along with listening to those conversations at Oregon and at Charlotte um, were 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 things that kind of prefaced me to be ready to make it to this point.
0: Now the other uh, part of coaching, which is maybe as important as anything, is recruiting. Yep, you. I envision you as going to be a, a, an ace <laughs> recruiter, right?
1: I, I bring a lot of energy to. Rec- I love yes. recruiting, man. I love recruiting, and it's and it's. I just. You know, you have to make sure that you're building relationships and bonds with these kids. And at the end of the day, the most important thing when recruiting is finding out if guys legitimately fit your culture. But you can't do that through just texting a kid every week and saying, hey, how you doing? Come to Minnesota. It doesn't work like that. I'm I'm allowing these guys to call me whenever they want and, you know, FaceTime me whenever they see fit. Um, and And the biggest thing is, like, being available to talk to these guys. Uh, a lot of times coaches are like, oh yeah, I just want to do ball. I don't want to do recruiting. Well, if you've got some guys, like if, if you go and recruit uh, a kid who weighs 110 pounds to play defensive end in the Big Ten, it's not going to work out. You've got to get the right guys to have the right fits. Um, and I've just been you know, excited to go out and recruit and, and PJ kind of you know, hit me on the bo- button was just like, I'm not going to have to explain to you how this works. Go get them. Uh, <laughs> right? So. I mean, you've lived it. <laughs> so
0: I mean, if if anyone's going to uh, you know know whether there's a fit or whether um, there's questions from mom and dad or mm-hmm. grandpa and grandma or brothers and sisters about the kid you're recruiting, hey, what about this? You you have not only an answer, they're going to know it's probably not some BS thing because right. you've, you've lived it and you're part of it. And who can more passionately talk about the situation outside of the head coach himself than, than the guy who played for the there
1: head coach? There you go. Right? I've got a million questions about a lot of things. Yeah, I'm sure. Co- like, like parents are like, okay, well, you played there, right? I'm like, yes. (laughs) They're like, okay, so what about this, 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 that, that, this? And I'm like, actually, you guys are going to be, you know, happy to know that blank, 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 blank. So I'm answering questions and firing them off. And these parents start to take a deep breath and go, Okay, I can trust this guy because he's actually done everything that he's talking about. Um, We had some, you know, we we have guys on campus and different things like that. And I ended up being able to kind of give our academic advisors like a standing ovation because I was like, hey— I got two degrees out of this school in five years, and I gave these guys so much of a pain every single day just bothering them and asking them questions, and they got me through. So they'll do the same for your sons. So I'm I'm, I'm ecstatic to be able to just, you know, speak on the program that I played
0: in. Yeah, Jackie and Robert amongst others in that office, right? In the uh, I gave Jackie yeah. a
1: hard time. I love Jackie so much. This is her personal shout-out. Yeah, yeah we
0: all, and she, she'll appreciate it. I'm sure she'll – we're 50 minutes into the podcast. I'm sure she's hung with us this long right, on the uh, – on the podcast for sure. All right, last one for you because uh, nowadays in football, there, there used to be you have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Then I don't know, thirty years ago they added the maybe twenty years ago they added the special teams coordinator. Right now we have and and it's all good like a mental health coordinator. They've got nutrition coordinators and now I honestly had never seen this one before, <laughs> newcomer coordinator. So you are defensive line coach, yes, and newcomer. Coordinator. So to close our podcast out, and I said 30 minutes, we're at 50, so that that means you're doing well. It's like Johnny (laughs) Carson, right? If a guest stayed longer than scheduled, take it as a compliment. I'm sorry if you had other things going on, but the people want to know. Right. Uh, Newcomer coordinator, tell us about that.
1: So, um, Coach Fleck actually called me and he was like, hey, I need you to do something for me. He was like, you're the guy who knows about the culture inside and out, you've played it, you've lived it, you've got the grades we needed you to get, you know, you've been in the community. He was like, can you show these young guys, what it's supposed to look like. And I was like, yeah, sure. What do you want me to do? He was like, okay, cool. You're the newcomer coordinator. I'm like, "Um, like, is this a thing? Like, what do you need me to do? So he kind of let me know the parameters. Um, I meet with every single person who's just been onboarded into the program, whether they're a mid-year or a freshman, yep. um, whether it's the small things like, hey coach, where do I go get my haircut?" Or where do I take my girlfriend on a date? Sure. You know, little things like that. Or even bigger things like, hey, can you explain to me what the hyperculture means or where where should I go to serve and give? You know, I'm I'm the resource to be able to do that. But also expressing and explaining to them what it means to be a Golden Gopher athlete just in its entirety. Um, So we have meetings every so often um, and we speak on things like leadership. We speak on different aspects and perspectives of the culture. um, and, And we're really making a point to understand that, if you're in these chairs, right, you're an extremely special and high-regarded individual who needs, to be, who needs to be able to work hard for the program, but also give his heart and his passion to everybody in the community as well. Um, so, yeah, Coach Fleck sprung it up on me. You know, he, he just let me know this is what you're going to do. But uh, that's why I love Coach Fleck, because he always tells me, I'm not going to give you more than I think you should be able to handle. And he was like, I know you're going to kill this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's fun, newcomer coordinator. So that's uh, uh is that you got a business card that does it say that on? I can't
1: there? wait till my business yeah, card it's gonna says be that. Great, right?
0: That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. Well, we could go into so much more, but um, we, we uh, for for the moment, maybe in the summer once we get uh, some downtime, we can uh, we can have you back on the podcast. Let's but do it. It's so great to see you first of all, but secondly, it's so great to have you be back with part of the program. And I'm so excited to watch these defensive linemen play and grow as people and uh, the impact you'll have.
1: I appreciate you so. So much i'm i'm happy to be back and uh roll the boat Sky you my. go gophers
0: there he is winston de latabadeer d line coach newcomer coordinator and back to minnesota it's episode 56 my thanks once again to gopher defensive line coach winston de for joining me on the go gopher podcast episode 56 i hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as i enjoyed being part of it and it's so super to bring winston back to campus the Go Gopher Podcast is presented by Sunbelt Business Advisors and True North mergers and acquisitions. If you're buying or selling a business, visit SunbeltMinnesota.com or TNMA.com. We're also proud to be supported by Affinity Plus Federal Credit Union, your local credit union throughout the state of Minnesota. Again, go to AffinityPlus.org GoGophers. We're also sponsored by state farm agent, Tony Hoagland. Again, I'd invite you to listen to past podcasts and please click the subscribe button right now to the GoGo for podcast. It's free to listen at any time and share the link on your social media channels so others can listen as well. We'll talk again next week.